I don't even want a chance like waking up with a headache, like being not able to show up fully and be fully present for all of the incredible things that are in my life today and all of the opportunities to be of service. This is the Alchemized Life Podcast, and I am your host, Ava Johanna. Transformational mentor, speaker, teacher, and most importantly, a woman on a mission to bring wellness to the world. This podcast was created to bridge the gap for anyone craving more love, health, and happiness in each and every day. And with every episode, you will receive practical guidance to create magic in your own life. Combining the expertise of wellness visionaries and thought leaders, each week we will bring it back to basics and provide you with the tools meant to empower you to thrive emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So together, let's ditch the mean girl, you can't sit with us vibes, grab your favorite yoga pants, and start to find your uniquely alchemized life. Hey guys, welcome back to the Alchemized Life podcast. So this is going to be a very short intro because to be honest, your girl totally dropped the ball and kind of got my schedule mixed up. It's been a interesting few days coming out of Mercury retrograde. And I think that my wires are all sorts of crossed, but nevertheless, we have an amazing interview today with Miss Susie Scheiflin of The Copper Vessel. And in this episode, we talk all about sound healing crystals. We talk about her own journey of sobriety and healing. And it was a really, really beautiful episode that I'm really excited for you guys to listen to. It's Thanksgiving. I am in the other room. My family is causing all sorts of mayhem and cooking up the turkey, doing all the things. So I'm going to hop off, but I hope that you guys enjoy this episode. If you resonate with everything that Susie shares, make sure to tag the podcast at The Alchemized Life and tag Susie at The Copper Vessel. And I hope you guys have an amazing week. Susie Shefflin is here sitting with me. And I feel like I have to like be in this like really calm meditative state, put my meditation teacher voice on right now because you are just such a like grounding energy. I'm so excited to talk to you though. Thank you so much for coming on The Alchemized Life. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. So, okay. I want to get into like every element of your story, but first I just want to know how you have really like alchemized your own life, how you have taken the experiences and like started the transition of really like recognition Mm -hmm. of like the bad and the good and alchemized it into now being this like bubbly light that is serving so many people through sound and through your healing. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. (laughs) So, I mean, alchemy, yeah, it's about transmuting something that's maybe shadowy or not as good into gold, right? Like, taking our experiences, things that we've been through and seeing the good in them. So for me, what it really comes down to is a shift into a mindset of gratitude Mm. where a couple of years ago, I was in a really, really dark place. I'll preface that by saying that I grew up, I had a wonderful, I've always had a wonderful life. Like nothing's ever really been wrong on paper in my life. I had a beautiful upbringing with a beautiful family surrounded by so much love, but, um, I don't think that I really had a sense of gratitude. I didn't have mm-hmm. a real connection with that. Yeah. And a lot of things led me to, to, which I'm excited to chat more about, but led me to a place where I was in a really dark space. And um, I ended up making the decision, recognizing that it was time for me to get sober, mm-hmm. um, to quit drinking. And I remember being in rehab and inpatient rehab. And every night we were forced to go around and share gratitudes. And for the first time in my life, I started to connect with a gratitude practice. And through that, I started to see that all of the things that I'd experienced in my life, everything that I'd ever been through had been happening for me. Mm. Like even the things that felt so painful and so uncomfortable and so challenging in every area of my life throughout the years um, had really been guiding me to exactly where I needed to be. And when I look back, I could see that they were all blessings. Yeah, isn't that so interesting? I was answering like a blog prompt or pitch earlier today that was about divine timing. And Mm. when I sat down and like, the question was like, what is divine timing and how do we like get into alignment with divine timing? And I was sitting there trying to figure out like the best way to phrase it. And when I came to the end of like writing about it, I said, you know, you don't have to get into alignment with divine timing because you already are. You already are. It's just witnessing and trusting it. 
Exactly. It's it's recognizing that the miracles are always there. They're yeah. all around you, but it's just a matter of opening yourself to seeing them. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Susie. So who are you? Give my audience mm-hmm. a taste of who you are, what you do, and um, then we'll go back and talk about the history of Susie. Amazing. So my name is Susie Marcoux-Shefflin, and I am a sound healer, a yoga instructor, a Reiki master, and a sobriety coach, and above all, a human um, human being learning how to be in this journey of life. Um, I grew up on the East Coast in Greenwich, Connecticut. And okay, that's my favorite place on the planet. Really? I've never been, but I've always connected to it. I think I'm going to uh, move there one day. <laughs> I can see that for you. It's so lovely. And yeah. you just have this beautiful, lovely energy oh, that I think you. would be so nice there. Yeah, you would bring a lot of light there as oh, well. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I grew up in Greenwich. I went to um, University of Virginia where I studied East Asian studies and religious studies. So looking back, I can see that throughout my life, I was always interested in spirituality, but uh, it was very much more in like uh, just studying it, yeah. not necessarily experiencing it. What do you, why, why were you called to that? Like, was there an experience in your life that you were like, oh, I'm going to start studying? Um, what was it? What was the degree again? Oh, East Asian studies East Asian and studies. religious studies. Yeah. So... I studied Chinese language in okay. high school and I studied abroad in China. I spent a lot of time there. I was always very interested in Buddhism, Confucianism, mm-hmm. um, Taoism, really East Asian spiritual practices. Mm-hmm. And so that was my first major. And when I was at UVA, I was actually planning to graduate early to go to culinary school. I love to cook. Oh, I wow. love to entertain. I love to share and be with people. And I decided that, you know, maybe I would actually stay and finish my degree at UVA before going to culinary school, but I'd already finished all of my requirements for my degree. So in order to stay, I needed to take on a second major. So I decided to take on that second major in religious studies, Mm -hmm. which was amazing because I got to focus on Hinduism and all other world religions, which now, I mean, especially Hinduism plays such a big role in in my practice as a yoga instructor. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was one of the most interesting classes for me when I was just taking them at community college. I thought that it was so interesting looking at what we focused on was um, Hinduism, Judaism, and uh, Christianity. Mm. And it was just so cool, like being able to, outside of like growing up, going to temple or going to church, starting to like look at all of these different religions without having that like I don't know, that like force of like your parents making yeah. you go, you know? Mm-hmm. It was just this like almost objective point of view to be like, oh, that's really cool how they do this and how they do that. And all of these different ways in which they're kind of all very similar of mm-hmm. the same vein, but very different as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what I was able to take away and see in my studies was that, you know, religion is really this social construct that we've created with rituals and texts to help guide us to this experience. But ultimately the experience of ourselves, this experience of oneness is universal. Yeah, absolutely. So you, when you graduated, did you then go to culinary school? I did. Yeah. I moved to New York city. I went to culinary school. It was so, it was so much fun. It was French culinary school. So it was all like wine and cheese and foie gras and sugar and all the things that I don't really eat so much anymore, but it was such an incredible experience. That's amazing. Okay. So then why the pivot? (sighs) <sighs> or multiple pivots. Yeah. So the pivot, I mean, I guess looking back now and sort of tying it all in together, I can see that from a very young age, I was very connected to spirits and energies and other dimensions. You know, when I was really, really little, I would be creating witches' brews in my backyard and just always working with magic. And I was really obsessed with angels. Um, around the time that I was seven, I'm not sure exactly what happened. Something in my healing journey that I'm really looking at right now, mm-hmm. like where that shift took place. It could have just been as simple as a shift in consciousness, but I became terrified of anything greater than this physical existence. Mm, interesting. Um, I started having nightmares about fires. And if anyone would say anything about God or spirituality it like or past lives or things like that, I felt this like closing in my heart. It was like I was so scared to connect with anything beyond, really to connect with my true self. Around that time, I started also losing my hair. I started to experience a condition called alopecia, where it started as like one little bald spot and it would be one bald spot here, one bald spot there. And it began this quest for figuring out, you know, what was wrong? What was the cause of this hair loss? And as a young girl, I mean, as any human being, but also especially as a young girl, like having hair is a big part of your identity. Mm -hmm. 
And so I developed like a real self-consciousness, a lot of anxiety, a lot of disease, a lot of uncomfortability. And then that ultimately I can see now definitely contributed to me going down a path of alcoholism and addiction. So throughout my years in high school, throughout my years in college, um, to most people on the outside, it looked like I was a party girl. But what was going on inside was I was really turning to drinking and eventually prescription drugs and other drugs as well to give me a sense of escape, to give me a sense of relief Mm -hmm. from this pain that I was feeling and this feeling of like not being good enough, not Mm -hmm. being able to fit in. So um, after culinary school, I had graduated and I was living in New York City and having a really incredible career journey. I was um, doing PR and marketing for a Michelin-starred restaurant group. And then I went from that to doing luxury lifestyle management. I opened two hotels and I had this really cool, really fast-paced job, which just had me in the heart of the hospitality industry where drugs and alcohol were so accessible and it was such a part of my way of life. But it was really leading me further and further away from that truth that I had lost touch with when I was seven or eight Mm -hmm. and my hair started to fall out. You know, I really had just gone down this path of escape and and disconnection. Um, And what that ultimately led me to was no longer wanting to live. For a few years, I knew that I needed to stop drinking alcohol. Like it had definitely not been serving me. Yeah. There were times when I would wake up in the hospital. Um, wow. Yeah, there was like never legal consequences or anything like that, but just like stuff where it wasn't me. You know, yeah. I would drink alcohol and this other personality would come out. I would pass out in places. I would do things that weren't in alignment with my values, you yeah. know? And then that led to this cycle of shame that perpetuated the issue. Yeah, yeah. So um, I ended up, yeah, in a really, really dark space where in summer of 2015, I had just ended an 11-year romantic relationship, knowing that that relationship was not one that I could be in if I ever wanted to get sober. But once I ended it, I um, had like no excuse anymore, Yeah, you know? And so I really spiraled out. I ended up in a really dark space and ultimately attempted suicide. Wow. Yeah. And... I really think that that night, a part of me did die. The part of me that had been really just focused on suppressing the shadow, suppressing the pain, trying to escape from it. And when I woke up the next morning, it was like, I was ready to move towards the light. Yeah. And that started to change everything. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like my first real moment of awakening. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have... I mean, there's so many different like parallels in our journeys that I'm just like sitting here, like one with chills, just like, whoa. Mm -hmm. And I fully like can resonate and like see that part of you because I feel so much of that in me. And like I said, before we jumped on the air, like literally a week and a half ago is when I declared that I was going to stop drinking. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is amazing, by the way. Thank you. And I so acknowledge you. It's it's not an easy decision to make. You know, there's a lot of social pressures that push us the other way, but to honor yourself in yeah. that way is it's it's incredible and it's sure. going to open up so Thank much you. for you. Thank you. Well, and I think also it's just like the the repeti- the repetitive thoughts and the knowing that you were seeing and having in your own life saying I need to stop this, I need to stop this, I need to stop this, but it was that bottom, that hitting bottom that allowed you to awaken. And so that's kind of why I asked you the question at the beginning of like how did you alchemize that, you know, yeah. knowing that knowing that everything happens for a reason, but like in that moment, probably not feeling like everything happens for a reason, you know, like feeling that's the farthest thing from the truth. Because I remember, I mean, I used to like cry and cry and cry in the shower and just be like, if if a God exists, like how could this be happening to me? Like how could all of these things be happening to me? But I think having those experiences as hard and as heavy as they are really do serve for a lot of us as finding that light that next mm-hmm. day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I went to a psychiatrist and they gave me um, like clon- clonopin, clonopin? Yeah. Oh yeah, clonopin. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> I know all about clonopin. Yeah, and like so many different, and said that I was bipolar and like mm. it wasn't like, there was this whole culture that was basically 
keeping me in this loop, you know, like you said, it was just this like spiral of guilt and shame, Mm -hmm. then drinking more, then guilt and shame and drinking more. And I think that we experience that in so many different elements. It doesn't have to be a drinking problem. It could be, you know, your relationship, being in a really unhealthy relationship or eating. And there's so many ways that it can manifest. So I'm curious then, after having having that first awakening, what was what happened next? So I was willing to do whatever it took to make a change. I called the company that I was working for and I told them, you guys know I've been struggling with drinking. Um, I need to take some time to get help. So I went to inpatient rehab and it was there that I connected, like I said, with gratitude, with a gratitude practice. Mm-hmm. And I started to really learn how to take care of my body, started to take care of my mind, my body, and my spirit all at once. Mm -hmm. In that rehab treatment center, I got to experience Reiki. I got to connect with yoga. I got to connect with meditation. I got to connect with gratitude. And I actually also started to connect with the moon, which I just remembered that recently. I love that. Yeah. I feel like the moon is like the first thing that I connected with too. Yeah. And the moon, it's just... For me, represents the cycles of life. You know, it's like sometimes we feel so full and sometimes we feel like there's nothing, but things will always shift, things will always change. Yeah. Um, and when I was in rehab, there was an eclipse, there was a lunar eclipse. Ooh. And I remember like bringing all my friends outside and being like, guys, we're going to watch this together. And, you know, eclipses represent massive shift. You know, during an eclipse, it's, a, it's an energetic portal where massive transitions can take place. You know, it's like the total eclipse of the heart, like things that are so unexpected can happen, unexpected can happen. Mm -hmm. And looking back, that's really what was happening to me there. I thought that I was going to rehab to stop drinking, just to stop drinking alcohol. Um, But what really happened was a complete eclipse of everything that I had ever known. My whole way of being, my whole way of living was massively shifting in the most beautiful way. Yeah, that's so amazing. So how did you stay in your integrity after leaving rehab with like these new practices that you had created for yourself? Did you go back to the same job or did you end up leaving your job? So I did go back to the same job. I went back and I was at that point, I moved out of New York City and was living with my parents in Connecticut again, commuting into the city. Fun. Um, (laughs) Which is funny because I, before I had gone to rehab, was living a block away from work. I was Mm -hmm. living one block from the plaza and I remember like part of the resistance to all of the change was like, I didn't want to move out of my apartment. My lease was ending. It was like clinging to this way of, this very small way of life that I had known, you Mm -hmm. know, like everything was in the same block and everything was easy and accessible. I was so anxious and so uncomfortable. I couldn't even ride the subway anymore. Mm -hmm. To then taking the subway, taking the train, commuting from Connecticut into New York City every day. And what happened was that space gave me a new sense of perspective. And I would sit in the morning and I would sit in the afternoon on the train in and out from Connecticut and I would meditate and I would do my gratitude list. And things started to open up from there. Mm -hmm. And I will say that my journey into sobriety has not been linear. So I left rehab and I didn't drink alcohol again, but I did smoke pot that first year that I didn't drink. So my definition of sobriety for myself today is I don't take prescription medications unless I'm appropriately prescribed by a doctor, which I'm not right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't consume any drugs or any alcohol. But at that point, I, I did smoke pot. So I just say yeah. that because I like to be honest about yeah. it. But so I was commuting in and out of the city. I was meditating. I was doing gratitude. I was working with a music therapist and then a regular mm-hmm. um, addiction therapist. And just taking it one day at a time. Like those early days were, oh my gosh, I think back to it. And it's like, I was feeling for the first time. Yeah. In addiction, in addition to drinking alcohol to cope, like I was also prescribed clonopin and I had been prescribed Adderall as well. So mm-hmm. before letting go of those pills, it was this constant like up and down yeah. of numbing out and never really feeling anything. And so once I took those things away, it was like I was so raw. Yeah. And especially in those first few months, it was like all I could do was take one step at a time. Yeah. Like there were some mornings where I would get out of bed and it would be like, just get in the shower. And then I would have like sunglasses on and headphones in and like a beanie on. It was like, just put one foot in front of the other, mm-hmm. like walking up Fifth Avenue to get to the plaza, whereas where I was working. Yeah. And little by little, slowly but surely, like 
I became accustomed to feeling feelings and it didn't feel so overwhelming anymore. And I was able to take off my sunglasses and look people in the eyes. And I was able to take out my headphones and hear the vibrations of the sounds of New York City again. But it was a process and it was a journey. And a big part of what helped me was daily meditation, yoga as often as I could, and then the gratitude practice, which I would write every evening on my way home. And oftentimes I would use it as a way of like looking on the bright side of things that happen. So like, I'm grateful for this experience with a challenging client because it helped me to practice patience. Mm -hmm. So shifting my own mindset through that gratitude practice. Mm, That's Um, that's why I love the Ho'oponopono prayer. Do you know that one? Yes, I love it. I love that because it's like, like I've done it with clients before that have been going through like really mm. crappy stuff. And to just like kind of shift from that, like, yes, you can still see the silver lining in everything, mm-hmm. regardless of how many, how people treat you, like regardless of what happens, mm-hmm. there's always some type of lesson to learn from it and to extract from it. Yeah. And also I think the idea of like radical responsibility, like mm-hmm. I've called in every experience for my own betterment. So I can choose to see like a challenging experience as like, oh, this happened to me, this annoying thing. Or I can say like, I have responsibility here to say like, this has happened. This has been an experience that I've partaken in. And what is it here to show me as a gift? Yeah, totally. I was just at this retreat and the retreat leader um, was like, it's either a good time or a good story. And I'm just like, yeah, "Yeah, I like that. That's good. I love that. (laughs) I always say it's either a blessing or a lesson. Yeah, I love that. So New York then. So when did you come over to LA? So um, I ended up a few months after stopping drinking, um, coming out to LA on a trip with my little sister. And once I got here, it was like I felt the energy mm-hmm. and I just knew I needed to be here. So I actually, that was my first conscious experience of manifesting. Mm. Once I went back to New York, I told everyone I was moving to LA and they're like, okay, sure. Everyone says they're going to do that. <laughs> but I was really, really serious about it. So I... Um, I wrote out exactly what my life would be like in LA down to like where my dog would go to the groomers, things like that. And like what 12 step meetings I would go to, what therapists I would work at work with. And then I started to visualize my apartment Mm -hmm. and I started to visualize myself close to the beach and facing this direction and my yoga mat and my bed over here, literally the very, very specifics. Then the company I was working for, which was so supportive of my whole journey. And by the way, like supported me throughout my time in rehab and it's, like of all that I put them through, you know, with my own journey into addiction, like it's a miracle how life works. You yeah. know, just, we're always so held and so supported, even yeah. when we don't recognize it, yeah, realize sure. it at the time. For sure. Um, and I had been, yeah. So they came to me and they were like, by the way, Susie, like we know you're just out in LA. If you know anyone who's out there, we want to expand to the West Coast. And I was like, me, 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 hire me. But my yeah. job was to be an expert in the city I was in. Yeah. So I was literally like able to make the impossible walls impossible possible happen, but like, because I had these connections in New York. Yeah. So like, we're sorry, Susie, but like, you need to be the expert in the area. So let us know if you know anyone else out there. So I said, okay, okay. And then like a month went by and one day I just got it from my desk and I called my boss and I was like, hi, I would really like to let you know that um, I'm going to be moving to LA in the next few months. And this is happening one way or the other. I'd love to stay working with you. If there's any possibility that I could go out there with you, that would be great. If not, I totally understand. And she called me back three hours later after meeting with the executive team saying like, go out there, be our business development lead, Amazing. like bring us out there, do it. I ended up, yeah, moving out there that summer. And miraculously, again, with the manifesting, I uh, I was hoping to move out in June of that year. And I ended up having my appendix out in May. And so it took like a big hit, obviously, on my health and my finances. And I thought, okay, I have this week that I'm at home in bed. I'll use this as an opportunity to like find my apartment that I've Mm -hmm. been visualizing. So the whole week I scoured every website looking for my apartment and I couldn't find it. So I just said, okay, you know what? I let it go. I trust that the apartment will come when it's meant to. And I completely surrendered it. The next month on the full moon, I ended up, I was at work and never went on Facebook at work, but happened to pop on there, saw that a girl that I had studied abroad with in Barcelona when I was 16, um, posted on her Facebook that she had an apartment in Santa Monica. And I saw one picture and it was exactly what I'd been visualizing. 
So I contacted her so and cool. without even like without even going out there, yeah. I just signed the lease. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. And so the company I was working out working with at the time gave me this platform to get out to LA and I worked with them for nine months um, after moving out there. And then the time came for the next transition. Which is so <laughs> exciting. Are you a reflector in human design? No, I'm a generator. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Mm-hmm. So okay, so sound healing. When did you get into sound healing? Did you experience it when you were doing the music therapy? So no, it wasn't during the music therapy that I experienced it. Although a couple years before that, the first time I experienced it was at Canyon Ranch, but I didn't even realize it. The first time that I consciously experienced sound healing was in the process of moving to LA. I was still experiencing a lot of anxiety and I was having panic attacks, um, especially you know moving across the mm-hmm. country and going through such a big transition. And my aunt lives out here. And so in the process of moving, she was like, hey, Susie, do you want to come to a sound bath with me? And... Funnily enough, like I didn't even question it. It was just like, want to go to yoga? Like, want to go eat breakfast? I was like, yeah, of course. Which looking back on it is actually interesting because now when most people are experiencing a sound bath for the first time, they're always like, is there water involved? Like, what do I need to know? What is this? (laughs) But it just felt like this obvious choice. So Mm -hmm. I went and, oh, it was like the most peaceful experience of my life, it felt like for the first time I had come home. Mm, Yeah. I I, love that so much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I remember my first sound bath and it was at the yoga studio where I did my yoga teacher training Mm. and like basically where I fell in love with yoga and found myself too. And it was just such an incredible experience. Like Mm. it was this like shedding and washing away of all of the noise and allowing me to like really just like I don't know, find this stillness, this stillness that like sometimes I can find in meditation, mm-hmm. but like often I still have my thoughts running in the back of my head. But like with sound healing, it was just like not a nothingness, but like in like everything. Yeah. You know? It's like nothing and everything yeah. at the same time. It's yeah. interesting. Um, there's a researcher, Hans Jenny, who does um, a study called cymatics, which is basically working with sound and vibration. And Essentially, in these studies, um, there's like a very thin rubber mat and they put sand on top of it and play different sounds. And with different sounds, different shapes, like sacred geometries will be formed out of sand. Wow. And when you play the crystal alchemy bowls, what research has shown is um, the sand makes a circle with a dot in the middle. And in different cultures, they experience that as different things, but it's either representing the sun, it's a symbol for the sun, mm-hmm. or it's also known as the still point, which is like that God place, that mm. place of stillness and centeredness within us all. It's so cool. Yeah. It's wild. Okay, so let's talk all about sound then. Like, I'm so interested. We have these beautiful bowls sitting here, but they don't look like the traditional bowls that like if someone were to go to a maybe a yoga class, you would see the big white Mm-mm. quartz bowls. So yeah. can we talk about them? Yes. Oh, So it's perfect that I'm on this podcast with you, The Alchemized Life. Yes, truly, (laughs) truly. What makes my bowls different than the other bowls that you see at maybe other yoga studios or that you might find, um, they're called crystal alchemy bowls. So they are made of clear quartz crystal, but they're infused with other crystals and gemstones, precious metals and earth elements that bring different energies into the experience. So the first sound bath that I went to in the process of my move was using these bowls. And they have a real different quality to them. Um, They're made in the United States, in Utah, um, in the highest consciousness. So you really feel that high consciousness and love and just incredible high quality um, materials that go into them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, No, they're amazing. Have you been to the Integratron? Yes. Okay. Because I think at the Integratron, they only use the like regular bowls. It depends on some- Are they considered regular? I'm not, not, there's no regular, yeah. but yeah, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like the big clear quartz ones, yeah. the frosted ones. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what is so special about this place in Utah where they're made? So the company is called Crystal Tones and they've created a, this special formula for bowls that literally are, are alchemical. Mm-hmm. So um, they're alchemizing the properties that go into each bowl with the clear quartz. And then you also have the combination of, so you have the alchemy of the bowl, Right. You also have the note, the frequency that it plays, and then the different sizes of the bowls will have different effects too. So they're really complex and really dynamic instruments that just bring you into this deep state of rest and healing and and balance. Yeah, absolutely. So the notes are reflective of the chakra system, correct? Or Yes, um, that's a really good question. So 
there's two different types of systems that these bulls work with. The endocrine system. So some bulls are specifically working with that to balance hormones, balance all the glands. And then the other ones are, yes, working with the chakras. Amazing. Yeah. All right, you guys, since we are about to hit the end of the year, I think it's important that we reflect on the ways in which we can improve and enhance our lives and our bodies in 2020. So one of the things that I'm doing is starting to really look at the gaps that are in my diet. And I started taking Ritual a couple months ago and you guys, I am hooked. I love it because it's only one vitamin. I used to be deep in the supplement game and I would literally carry around like nine different bottles with me. With Ritual, it's only one bottle. And it's nine different nutrients that the majority of us, myself certainly, aren't getting from our typical diet. Plus, Ritual is transparent with where their ingredients come from if you obsess over labels like me. It's vegan, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free. So if you have a sensitivity and can't stomach 90% of the supplements on the market, you're likely covered with Ritual. Remember, this is a supplement though, so it takes time. That's why I'm really excited to be giving you guys 10% off your first three months of Ritual. Yes, three months. So use the essentials for women like I do for three months and fill in the gaps of your diet with Ritual. All you have to do to take advantage is visit ritual.com forward slash alchemize to start your ritual today. Again, that's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com forward slash alchemized. And before we jump back into the episode, I have to share because we are in the thick of the crazy holiday season, my number one tool for getting through all of the stress, all of the anxiety that can come up when we're moving through the holidays and moving really quickly. And that is meditation. You guys, I've been using the Calm app for a while now and I absolutely love it. Even as a meditation teacher, I like to take the path of least resistance when it comes to meditating and showing up for my meditation practice on a daily basis and Calm makes it so easy. In fact, they also have sleep stories. I did one the other night from Matthew McConaughey. It was wonderful. So it's such a versatile app for bringing mindfulness and well-being into your life. As we enter the holidays and into the new year, I know so many of you want to make meditation a daily practice. It's the one practice that has made the biggest difference in my own life and the lives of all of the women I work with one-on-one. So consider this a holiday present from yours truly. I'm teaming up with Calm to give you guys 25% off a Calm premium subscription. All you need to do is head to calm.com forward slash alchemized right now and get 25% off a Calm premium subscription. It comes with unlimited access to Calm's entire library and new content is added every week. Get started today at calm.com forward slash alchemized. That's calm.com forward slash alchemized. So we can you explain your bowls? So I have four bowls with me in here today. The first one here that I'll play now. This one is for the throat chakra and it's a big bowl. So it's creating a low tone. It's very grounding. Mm-hmm. And this bowl is infused with rose quartz. It's so beautiful. Yeah. So it's activating the throat chakra, but it's also connecting the throat with the heart. Mm -hmm. So it's helping with communication. It's helping with manifesting. It's helping you to speak your truth from a place of love. I love it. Yeah. And then this bowl is for the endocrine system. Um, And this one is working with the adrenal glands specifically. So helping to shift one out of fight or flight into um, the parasympathetic nervous system, it's really going to help to balance the stress hormones. And it's infused with lavender or gold. So um, gold is the master alchemy. Um, It's a master healer. It's also representing the masculine energy. And the lavender component of it is very soothing. It's very relaxing. Lavender comes from the Latin word lavare, which means to wash or to cleanse. Mm. So this bowl is really going to help to just balance and relax and cleanse um, any abnormalities, any imbalances in the adrenal glands, um, actually also with the pancreas. So just balancing that area out, those glands out in the body. And then this bowl is for the heart chakra and it's infused with charcoal. So charcoal is grounding, it's cleansing, it's clearing, it's detoxifying, right? We like to drink like a charcoal lemonade when yeah. we want to detox. Yeah. <laughs> this is sort of doing that. It's like a charcoal lemonade, charcoal lemonade for the root shot, for the it. heart chakra. <laughs> so um, it's going to help to melt away and dissolve any heaviness, any pain, any grief, any worry that's being held in the heart chakra so that you can open your heart to the frequency of unconditional love. Mm. 
Yeah. And then this bowl, this fourth one, is also for the throat chakra. And it's a triple alchemy. So it has three things in it. Um, It's green goddess Apophyllite. So Apophyllite is the crystal of Reiki masters. So it's calling in white light, higher consciousness, Reiki energy. It's also associated with sacred geometry. Um, So it's creating a sense of real balance between the mind, the body, and the spirit. And then the green goddess is mother of platinum, which is calling in the energy of the divine feminine. And then um, gold that's fired until it turns green. So it's balancing the masculine and the feminine. And the green energy is calling in heart energy. It's calling in earth energy, this goddess of the earth, sort of earth connected with heaven. Mm, Okay, so I think you brought in literally like the four perfect bowls (laughs) for me, which is crazy because I was literally like showering before you came over. And I'm like, I think I might have adrenal fatigue. Like literally, and um, was telling my husband last night, I'm like, I need to speak my truth more often. So it's so funny. I just, I love how all of this works out. It makes me so happy. It's amazing. There's (laughs) no coincidences. Oh no, not at all. So, okay, so- you just like spouted out so much information. <laughs> a lot. Where did you learn all of this? Like, I, cause I, you know, I've gone to sound baths before. Yeah. I've done my Reiki mm-hmm. level one and level two, but like, I cannot for the life <laughs> of me talk about these complex and beautiful um, and deep one, just like bowls, but like practices mm-hmm. in the way that you can. So did you do like a training Thank for you. it or is it just like a constant curiosity. So ultimately the bulls are the best teachers. Um, All the answers are within us. But yes, I did work with, um, I first started studying sound healing with my first mentor was Guy Douglas who plays the gong. Um, So I started studying sound and um, holding space in that way with him. And then I work with another mentor now, Gerilyn Glass, who um, is another crystal bowl alchemy master. And we actually lead trainings together. Incredible. Yeah, so we just finished Two days ago, um, on Wednesday, we finished um, leading a four-day intensive training where people came from all over the world, from Australia, from Canada, from we have someone, yeah, from Switzerland, um, to learn about these bulls. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So after you started studying sound and like after you had that first experience, can you like pinpoint a couple just like radical cool things that had shifted for you in your life? Now, like inviting in this practice. <sighs> I mean, everything has shifted. Yeah. Everything has shifted. So I got these bowls. The first bowls that I got were right after I left that corporate job that I shared with you about. I just knew it was time to leave and I got the bowls and started to play with them. And at that point, like I really didn't know very much about them at all. I got three crystal alchemy bowls and um, I started playing with them and I started to receive messages and downloads and guidance to guide me. I held my first sound bath on the beach, on Venice Beach, and everything just opened up from there. And the shifts that have taken place in my life, I would say, there's so many. I mean, I've built I've built a business of helping other people, and it's been incredible to see the results taking place in other people's lives. Yeah. And the more that I do work on myself, the more that I'm able to, I can see um, shifts taking place in other people. Yeah. Um, I think, I feel like I'm getting nervous talking about this because the biggest thing that has taken place and what I can see most recently, I'm still sort of like synthesizing how it all works is um, my journey with healing alopecia. Mm. So um, the bulls have guided me towards a new depth of self-love and self-acceptance. I have another bull that I wish I brought in, but these ones are perfect for you. The other bull <laughs> that has been profound in healing my own, my own own on my own healing journey is it's a bull that's for the pineal gland and it's infused with Egyptian blue. And it was one of my first bowls. And I played with that bowl for a year. And um, in that year, I was really, really struggling with losing my hair. Um, Over the years, it would be like I would lose a little bit of hair, a little bit of hair, a little bit of hair. But as I got onto this journey of um, understanding um, holistic wellness and stepping into the role of, of serving as a healer, Um, I stopped getting Western treatments for alopecia, which were cortisone steroid injections into Mm -hmm. my head. Mm -hmm. And so once I stopped doing that, my hair started falling out a lot, like a lot, like very quickly. And I went even deeper into this quest of trying to figure out what was wrong with me. About a year after I got my first bowls, I went to a workshop led by Caroline Miss, um, who's, in my opinion, the best medical intuitive in the world. And I went to this workshop with the intention of having her, you know, do a reading on me to tell me what's wrong with me. And when I got my moment with her, 
she couldn't tell me what was wrong. She was like, um, come back and see me later. Mm-hmm. And then I went to see her later. She's like, um, come back and see me tomorrow. And then at the end of the workshop, she's like, um, email me. But I did connect with somebody else over that weekend and the conversation that we had shifted everything. Um, she was like, Susie, nothing's wrong with you. Is that something that you could possibly wrap your head around? And that was one of the things that Caroline had taught that weekend is that, you know, who are we to decide um, how things should be in, in God's world? Mm, if God has yeah. led us to, you know, have an experience or be a certain way, then sometimes it's as simple as that. And my journey with alopecia and trying to figure out what was wrong with me had led me to learn how to eat properly, had led me to struggle with alcoholism and addiction to the point where I had this profound awakening, you know, which put me on this path of spirituality, this path of healing, led me to see so many different healers, which taught me and inspired me in so many ways. And everything about me is the pinnacle of health. Like I'm so healthy, like so healthy, like the healthiest person. My diet is so clean. I wake up, I feel energized. I don't drink caffeine. Like everything about me is the perfect, healthy condition um, other than the fact that my hair falls out. And so that weekend, um, I had this understanding that maybe nothing was wrong. Maybe this is exactly the way that I'm meant to be. Mm. And when I got home from the workshop, the next day I took out my bowls and literally hadn't done anything different. Um, But when I took out that big bowl, one of my first bowls, that one for the pineal with Egyptian blue, it was broken. Wow. It was shattered. And like, literally it was inexplicable. And um, what I know now about these bowls is that they have their own consciousness. Like they really do. They're, they're crystal and, and it's, there's no coincidences when you're working with them. Yeah. And when a bowl breaks, it symbolizes that a massive shift has taken place. It's like the bowl has taken a hit for you. Yeah. And that bowl, um, Egyptian blue for the pineal for the third eye, what it represents is connecting with these higher truths, connecting with greater consciousness, connecting with the beyond calling in the energy of ancient Egypt, calling in the energy of the Hathors who are said to have brought the frequency of unconditional love to our planet. And that bowl, it's a big bowl, so it's very grounding. Mm -hmm. So it represents connecting with higher truths, unconditional love, self-acceptance, and then it helps to ground that ancient wisdom into our body. Mm -hmm. And so once I was able to ground the idea into my body that nothing was wrong with me, that I was perfect exactly as I was meant to be, that bowl shattered. That's, yeah. Wild. Yeah. Wild. And the craziest thing is that there's people who, like there's something called a bull doctor. So you Mm -hmm. can send the bulls to be fixed. Yeah. So I sent the bull back to be repaired. And after a few months, they came back to me and um, they actually said that the bull was broken beyond repair. They were like, we're so sorry. We tried everything. We can't fix this bull. It's just shattered. And I begged them. I was like, you don't understand. This bull is so important to me. It's so special. Please see if there's anything you can do to fix it. Um, and all throughout those months, that bowl had, I mean, before it broke, that bowl had been the bowl that I relied on in my sound baths. Like it really carried the message. Mm-hmm. It was like the song that I sang. But without it, I had to sing a new song. And at that same time, I had started to sing a new song and tell a new story about my experience with alopecia and hair loss. And um, so ultimately they were able to find a way to fix the bowl and they sent it back to me. And when it came back, something really crazy had happened, which before it had been tuned to the frequency of 432 hertz, which sometimes people will listen to certain recordings and they have different energies. And and 432 hertz is the energy of nature. It's the energy that babies vibrate at when they're born. It's a very grounding, natural frequency. Um, And after the bowl was repaired, it changed. And now it's tuned to the frequency of 528 hertz, which is the frequency of DNA repair, total healing and unconditional love. Wow. So, yeah. Do you just like laugh to yourself about (laughs) all of this? Like it just blows my mind in like the coolest possible way. Like I'm not surprised at all. No, not at all. And it's just, it's another example of alchemy. Like in the moment you're thinking like, oh, this stinks. Like my favorite bowl broke. Uh," But like, if you can be in that witness perspective and know that like it's all being alchemized for the highest good, and trust that it's all working out exactly as it's meant to. I mean, it, it, it always is. Like yeah. we're always being guided to our highest purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that that's just so 
it's so healing to hear your perspective on that because, you know, for me, I struggled with my skin for such a long time and I spent so much time looking in the mirror and saying, you know, I hate my skin so much. I want my skin to look like this. I'm in my 20s. Like I thought that my acne would go away by now. Like nothing is going as I wanted it to. Mm -hmm. And to just hear the shift of perspective of like, not that something's wrong with you. Like what if nothing is wrong with you? Like nothing is wrong with you. Um, is very healing for me. And I think for a lot of different people too, that may be struggling with a variety of different things in their life. Like you're put here in God's perfect image of who you are meant to be and what you are meant to fulfill Mm -hmm. in this lifetime. And that doesn't necessarily mean perfection as we see it in a magazine. Right. It usually does not mean that at all. And I think that that allows us to step outside of the pain and the wanting that a lot of these like material or surface level desires um, cause in our life. Yeah. And to find a deeper level of Mm self-love, you know, and then to let these challenges, challenges and experiences be our teachers, be our guides home to ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. So you're a sobriety coach, which sounds like way cooler than a sponsor. (laughs) When did you start doing that? Um, I started doing that about a year ago. Um, I just, in my own journey in sobriety um, and all the healing work that I've done and that I now share, I can see that there are, for a long time, I resisted, I think, letting go of drinking because I felt like my life was going to be over, Mm -hmm. you know? And my experience of of early sobriety... um, And my experience of other people who oftentimes are in sobriety is, you know, sometimes this like sense of missing out, this sense of like, okay, well now what is my life over? Like, what do I do? And, and, and having a hard time letting go of the romance of, of that lifestyle at the same time, knowing that, you know, things need to change. And then there's that other sort of like, sort of more stereotypical um, concept of like being in recovery of like cigarettes and coffee and being in church basements, which like feels very low vibrational, you know? And so what I um, offer as a sobriety coach is a new way of being, you know, this opportunity to see sobriety as an empowering choice, a choice that's opening up so much for you where you're not missing out on anything. In fact, you have everything to gain. Yeah. And so working with people and holding space for their process of, oftentimes it does involve like a grief, a grieving process mm-hmm. of an old way of being. Yeah. And just really knowing that it's a safe space for that and that you've, you know, this is an opportunity to heal the, the shame that may have come up over years of drinking and using. Um, and then at the same time, knowing that you're supported and held as you move into this new chapter that you've very bravely and courageously chosen to step into. Mm -hmm. So I offer different practices, tools, and techniques based on what's worked for me. So healing sessions, Reiki, which will help with detoxing, with aligning the mind, body, spirit, balancing the chakras, getting intuitive messages that may help to guide you to getting a sense of clarity in your purpose. Um, Yogic practices. I'm a Kundalini yoga instructor. So There's meditations that are specifically for healing addictions and then other more customized meditations and practices, Kriyas, that I'll offer to people that may help them in supporting them in this big decision. And then, I mean, other tools and practices as well that have really, really helped me that I feel so grateful to be able to share with other people. Yeah, Yeah. I think that that's so cool because, you know, I, I totally resonate with like the idea of shifting into the light, like the light of being in sobriety, the light of being in recovery that isn't like you said, like the like the low vibrational like cigarettes and coffee that like is just kind of like swapping one addiction for another. Yeah. Um, not that that's bad by any means at all. Um, but I think that being able to offer all of these practices is so supportive of really, I think the goal of why we're doing this, it's to find that connection elsewhere in something Mm -hmm. that is deeper and is sustainable and of our true nature. Um, So I think that it's so cool that you do all those different practices. So I'm curious, and we kind of chatted about when this episode is going live. um, For someone who is really feeling intuitively called to end their relationship with alcohol, what would you suggest as a couple practices or ways to stay 
in their integrity and supportive of this um, new dynamic in their life through like the holiday season. When we talk Mm. about like getting together with relatives at Christmas or New Year's Eve, like these are all like very like, they're very um, intense situations for someone who is like just freshly deciding to cut alcohol out of their lives. You know, last week, last week I was at a retreat and there was 30 girls and margaritas pouring the entire Mm. week. And it was so challenging. And so I'm curious, like for someone who's like in my position or someone listening, like what can we do to stay strong? Yeah. Well, first of all, I would say that you don't have to do it alone. So know that there are people out there, myself included, who can support you in that. And, um, Oftentimes, I mean, say you're going on a retreat or say you're going to a holiday party to have a plan in advance, a game plan. Um, And maybe that means like reaching out to a buddy, a friend, a coach, a mentor, a sponsor who can support you in that. So before you go on that retreat or before you go to that holiday party, checking in with someone and saying like, this is what's on my mind. This is what's present for me. My intention for this party is not to drink alcohol tonight. So putting it out there, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and having someone who can really hold your hand in that. And then when you're at that party, when you're at that experience, knowing in the back of your mind, maybe a couple of options of alternative drinks that you can have there. So when the margaritas start to flow or the wine starts to be poured, knowing in advance that, oh, I can choose to ask for a club soda with lime. And that looks just the same as a vodka soda, gin and tonic. Um, And having that drink already in your hand is going to prevent other people from saying like, hey, do you need a drink? Hey, do you need a drink? Hey, do you need a drink? Other great options around the holidays would be to have ginger ale in a champagne glass. Mm-hmm. You know? I like that. Yeah. Or apple cider, Martinelli's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but to have something that feels fun and festive. Yeah. Um, because there is like a real romance to having, you know, I, I remember like when I was first starting drinking, like I love to have like Manhattan or a martini and I love the glasses. I love to champagne flute. Yeah. And so to know that you can have- 100%. Right? That, like you put it so perfectly. It's the romance yeah. of it. It's the beautiful cocktail with the fresh fruit mm-hmm. juices or like the nice um, topping on it, you know? that You're so right. There yeah. it is. You just got- Yeah. So to keep- Light bulb. That, yeah. <laughs> so stick with the romance. And like yeah. even go up to the bartender and be like, hey, can you make me a fun mocktail? Yeah. You know, ginger beer with like some lime, some mint. Like that's a fun one. Let them be creative, you yeah. know? Sort of make it into a fun little game. Um, but having that as a, as a something that you know as a resource is is also a really good technique. Um, another thing that I would say is to um, have a breathing or meditation practice. Mm. So even if you take um, three minutes before you go into an event, or if you're in the event and you start to notice yourself feeling anxious, feeling overwhelmed, feeling like you need to reach for a drink, stepping out, you know, knowing you could even go into the bathroom and just sit sit on the toilet and breathe for a few mm-hmm. minutes, taking long, deep breaths. I teach different breathing techniques that are really, really helpful for times of um, stress and anxiety. And there's one, I have a YouTube video of a practice called Ego Eradicator that mm-hmm. I love. It's using breath of fire. So it really helps to push out and detoxify any of those feelings of anxiety and help you to feel strong and radiant. So you can quickly step out, do a few minutes of breath of fire, and then go back into the event. And you'll get a little breath high too. Yeah, (laughs) totally. (laughs) I love those tips. And I actually just finished um, reading Gabby Bernstein's newest book, Super Attractor. Mm. And she talks about when she was in her beginning stages of recovery, whenever she wanted to order a drink, if she was on a date or something like that, she would walk into the bathroom and like, get down on her knees and pray. Maybe not get down on her knees Mm -hmm. in in a public bathroom, but she would pray in the bathroom and just like hand over her fear and her desire and her ego to the universe and to God to support her. And it would just be like an instantaneous, um, you know, switch for her to be able to get back into that alignment. So I've been doing that too, because I think that um, for me, at least, it was just an awakening of there is so much more that I can give when Mm -hmm. my channel is clear, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and for me, that's what it comes down to now. It's like, even if I could have a drink or take a drug like and be totally fine, um, I wouldn't do it because I don't even want a chance like waking up with a headache, like being not able to show up fully and be fully present for all of the incredible things that are in my life today and all of the opportunities to be of service. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also for like those of us that are spiritual, that are on these paths, which 
I'm going to go out on a limb and say that 99.9% of the people listening to this podcast are spiritual and on this wellness path. What I've noticed in the times when I am completely clear is that my intuition speaks so much louder. I am so much more creative. I'm getting these downloads from my highest self that are allowing me to really, one, be confident, Mm -hmm. rid myself of the anxiety, because of course the drinking always causes anxiety. Even if I have a single drink, Mm -hmm. um, I'll be like, oh my God, I hope I didn't say anything bad last night or something like that. Even if I knew like and completely remembered it, that shadow would always come up. But it's this, even more so I think for me, it's recognizing that like I am so much more connected and all of those questions that I used to ask of how can I be more intuitive? How can I channel? How can I like tap in a little bit faster? Like it was because I was like allowing this fog over my entire life, you know? Did you experience that too? Just this like flushing out and like your channel being clearer and intuition and creativity. Yeah, and being able to recognize that like, I am so powerful. Mm -hmm. You are so powerful. We are so powerful. And this power comes from within, Mm -hmm. you know, and to not be afraid of that power and to not numb it out. And um, yeah, yeah. It really, like when you take those things out of the picture, it's like this whole portal is open. Yeah. So actually that brings me back to another question. So you said when you were like seven or eight years old, you started developing this fear Mm -hmm. around what I can call like your power and your connection. And so after you were in recovery and when you started like, again, feeling again, was that when it started coming back? Like, Mm -hmm. how did you, how did you deal with not being fearful and instead lean into like love and that connection? Um, I would say it was a process, a journey, um, reaching out to other people who are on this path, having a mentor, having um, support and guidance along the way, reading spiritual books, and then just also easing into it, you know, and recognizing ultimately only love is real. Like that's, that's the thing that helped me the most. And so in those moments where I start to be like scared of the power, scared of the energy, I'm like, no, it's all love. Yeah. It's all love yeah. and reframing it in that way. I love that. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> um, what's your favorite spiritual book? Um, the Alchemist. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> I listened to The Alchemist probably like six or seven times on my flights to and from Bali. I would literally fall asleep with it in my ears. So good. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Um, okay, favorite spiritual teacher? I love Gabby Bernstein. Yeah. Oh, and Marion Williamson. Yeah. Love them both. I'm yeah. finally reading A Return to Love right now. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. The Law of Divine Compensation is like a lesser known one of her books that's amazing. Game changer if you're looking to start a business or if you're having any issues with money. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Noted. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Out of like all of the work that you're doing, how is the best way that like myself and my audience can support you in continuing to access your highest self and continuing to share these gifts that you have brought into the world? So I lead sound baths and moon ceremonies and special workshops all over Los Angeles. So I'd love for you to come join me at a sound bath. Um, I also have a series on aloe moves. Of, my um, husband loves Alamo so it's much. Awesome. He's it's, so funny. He like won't come <laughs> with me to the studio, but he like loves Alamo. It's so well done. Yeah. It was a real treat to work with them. Yeah. It's all so high quality. And so for people who aren't in Los Angeles and would like to experience a sound bath, check out Alamo. Um, I have a code Susie, my name S-U-S-Y, which will get you two weeks of free access to check it out. And on there is a series of seven sound baths for self-healing. So everything from energy detox to opening your heart to releasing fear, you can experience that. Um, I also offer private healing sessions, coaching, and mentorship um, to people virtually and in person. So I work with people all over the world, offering Reiki, sound healing sessions, um, sobriety coaching, and I also mentor healers. So for people who are feeling called to this path and feeling called to break free of an old way of being, but aren't quite sure yet on their vision or how to manifest it in the 3D world, I'm working with people to help them manifest six-figure businesses as... um, teachers and healers. I love that so much. So is there um, a difference between receiving the sound in person versus online? Yes and no. I mean, in person, it's a little bit different, but if you listen online, you'll still get all the benefits, especially if you use headphones. Yeah. In person, it's like you're physically bathed in the sound. Mm -hmm. And there's something about being in the presence of the bulls, but I have people 
literally all over the world reaching out saying that they're having profound experiences virtually. That's so, amazing. Yeah. Is binaural beats, is that something that yeah. is like in what you're doing? Totally. Or- the bowls that I have with me today don't create the binaural beat, but um, a binaural beat is a really powerful tool that I love to work with in sound healing. Um, what it is essentially is it's two tones that come together and reduce down to a lower frequency, which each ear hears, one ear hears one, one ear hears the other, mm-hmm. and it helps to balance the left and right hemispheres of the brain. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very calming, um, and it helps you to tap into the subconscious mind. It brings you into the theta and delta brainwave states. And the theta brainwave state is sort of like the ultimate goal of meditation. It's where we are during REM sleep when we're dreaming. So um, listening to binaural beats can help you to experience a really deep and dreamy sleep. Um, and in the sound bath, that's why oftentimes people feel like they're in a lucid dream. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's a really cool technology. Yeah, so cool. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I could talk to you all day. <laughs> For those that want to continue following along, want to um, listen to your beautiful bowls, where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram as The Copper Vessel. And you can find me and more information about my services, my programs on my website, which is thecoppervessel.com. Thank you so much for coming on the Thank podcast. Thank you for having me. 